So excited to speak today. My name is Ralph. I serve as a campus pastor. So if you're brand new, our lead pastor, Pastor Kelly, is away on a sabbatical at this time. But us campus guys got this covered for the next little season here. And we are excited about sharing this brand new series called The Table. Yeah, and it's just kind of neat. I don't know if you guys ever been invited to a table you know that's where people gather right they gather around a table um, we actually gather in a hot tub that's kind of weird but we wouldn't probably invite you over to it but we had friends stop by the other day and they were hoping we were in there but anyways the table is probably a more uncomfortable environment to invite somebody to right just knowing since I own a hot tub it's like they give you a strange look what anyways I'm excited to share about this um, is there any Ikea fans out there Woo, yes. Cool. Well, there, I'm going to talk a little bit about the founder of Ikea and some things that he went through as a young man. There's a, there's a progression of his business and a progression of his life and it started as a young child. But one of my favorite commercials is the Ikea commercial where the lady's running out of the store with a bunch of parcels and she's running, shouting, start the car, start the car, because she feels like she's just about robbed the bank. She's got the best deal ever. And they drive away, Woohoo! Do you guys see that commercial? Am I the only one that watches that? I love that, because it kind of reminds me of Cindy. You know? Because Cindy's kind of, she is a shopper. Like, Cindy will, will put together an outfit, and she'll go, it was only eight bucks, and I'm like, wow, how much did you save? Like, 40 bucks. I wish I had that 40 bucks still. But, but she looks like a million bucks. You know? So, like, she's so good at shopping like that. Like, she can just get these deals, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a real skill. Until we come to getting something bigger. You know, like a car or furniture or something like that. And I usually tell her, like, Cindy, don't say anything. Any guys got their wives like that? They're going to say something in the deal and you're trying to get the best deal? Well, Cindy's that person. It's like you, you almost can't take her because you just know she's going to say something. So we always have this plan going in. We're going to buy furniture. We're going to buy a new sofa a while back. Okay, we're going to get a deal on this sofa. And there's a good price on it. But then it came down to some accessories and things like that. And we, we got a good deal on a sofa. I mean, I don't want to cut down salespeople because they, they, they got to make a living too, right? But we're like, okay, we're doing good so far. She liked it. Actually, when I made the sale, she was at home. Because I, we looked and I said, no, let's just not buy it. Let's just go home and then we'll come back and get it later. And I was on the phone and there was already three other people looking at it because it was a discounted price. And I said to Cindy, she goes, yeah, get it, get it, get it. Okay, good, good, we got it. So then we come down to talk to him about some of the things that were added on to it. There's this, this big ottoman thing, and it was like $700. And then there's this tray on there, like a tray that you can put things in. And it's, it's, it's just a good story. This is all free, so don't worry about it. <laughs> it's going to tie in a little bit, but I'm just kind of get a little picture about how we struggle with these things. So then the guy goes, oh, Cindy goes, oh, I really like that, that tray. And, and, the, and the guy goes, you know, it's, well, it's got a crack in it. It's kind of bust. I'll see what I can do. And I'm thinking, okay, just throw it in, dude. Like, just throw it in. And he comes back, and Cindy's like, the guy goes, wow, the best I can do is like 50% off. She goes, that's okay, we can fix it. We can fix that crack. I'm like, stop it. The guy's like, he just, he just put that bait 50%. It was like, he was not going to sell that thing. It was going to be on a scratch and dent sale somewhere. Because my lovely wife just goes, oh, that's okay, we can fix it. Like, that's what we're going to be doing now. And get, you know what she means by fix it? It's been me. And the same thing, we were looking at a car a while back, and she's like in the car, and I'm like, okay, let's just not tell them we love the car, and not even 10 minutes in, like just driving down the highway with the guy. She's like, I love this car. This is so great. This, everything's good about it. I'm like, all right, he just, he's already got the hook in us. He's just going to pull us into the boat. But we, we have this, this, this character in us that we just kind of give in. You know, no matter how mature we are, we're in our later years in life, and 
we always want to be that guy that gets that best deal and not to rip people off, but just to be good stewards of what we got. And we always default back to, no, that's okay. I mean, if there was a tip function at the brick, I think Cindy would say, we should tip that guy. He's a good, he sure was nice. And I'm like, okay, honey. But that's a good quality, right? How many of us struggle in areas in our life, though, that, that we're like, man, I just can't get rid of this thing. I kind of always struggle in this way. You know, as, as believers, God doesn't want us to leave because of that. To leave in the journey of, of following him. And many people get taken out because they're like, man, I just, it's a pattern. I would say, I would encourage you to work on that pattern, that you'd find freedom from it, because that's what it's about is freedom, right? A carefree life, not a careless life. You know, we want to be free from the things that we're struggling with. But this series on the table, I'm just going to get into it now. Would you guys mind if I sit down? I sat down last time too, but I'll, I'll stand up a little bit later. Not that I'm lazy. I did do some yard work yesterday, but I'm just going to sit down because I got my notes here, and then I'm going to continue on. That, that first part about the sales thing was all free. <laughs> start the car. There you go. Start the car. Don't say amen t- today. Say start the car. Because when you get something good... You say, start the car, man. Like, we got to get, not, don't get out of here. But when you do leave, go, start the car, man. We got some stuff to go through life with. And I'm trusting that you're going to get that. So, founder of Ikea. 17-year-old young man named Ingvar Kampard. I- I'm glad we don't have to do Swedish baby dedications. Because <laughs> we have to say these names. Ingvar Kampard. In 1943, he found the largest furniture retailer in the world since 2008. The largest furniture retailer. How did he start? He started as a little kid at age six. Six years old, he was going around the town selling matches. And when he turned 10, he went around on his bicycle selling Christmas decorations, fish, and pencils. I don't know that they sell fish in Ikea, but 10 years old, he was changing it. He was, he was challenging himself to do more. And that 17-year-old, he was given a reward for doing well in school despite being dyslexic. He had his own situations he was facing. And he sold replicas of his uncle's kitchen table. A table. And what he turned it into was, they called it flat box packaging. Because if you're going to ship a table like this, all built, it just costs so much money. But he was selling stuff for so cheap that all his people that were providing and helping him make this stuff said, no, we're not going to do it. You're too cheap. So he had to go in-house and do it all himself. At 17-year-old, Taken on that challenge at that time. He could have quit and said, no, I can't do it. Nope. But he didn't. He went on. So he had several struggles in his journey to his success. And I think that we, as we come to a table and and move ourselves around as a journey of faith, that we're going to have struggles at all stages of our journey. And that's where I want to encourage you to to not give up on that. There's going to be things that are going to want to take you out from this journey and discourage you from this journey. But don't let that happen because that's just part of helping you grow in this journey. And some things you might never, ever get totally over. That's okay. God's big enough. Never walk alone. Never abandon you. He was worth about $42.5 billion at the time of his death. He's also known for his frugal habits, and he drove a 20-year-old Volvo. So it's kind of cool, right? This guy had billions of dollars, but he still had that core kind of childlike, no, I don't need that stuff. I don't need this or that. He still went to store openings. I thought, wow, he never lost that humility. And as believers, we should never lose our humility of where we once were in our faith journey. And as we grow, that's not to be used as a force to to tell people what the truth is. 
and to yield our sword. And like Peter did, and the minute they came after Jesus, he cut off his ear. Like that's, God, he doesn't need that, us to do that for him. He wants us to love people the same way that he loved us. And don't ever lose that. Because once you start to get that strength and that courage, you're going to be tempted to maybe not remember that time in your life. And that's our faith journey. Again, difficult situations through Ingvar's life, but yet $42 billion, he had what he needed. And Akia, another thing, I think it's 100 million hot dogs a year. Just in case you guys are hungry. And we were going to do that for an after party, but they said, that's too hard, Pastor Alpha. I was like, okay, we're going to Ikea. <laughs> start the car. That's not a start the car, but that's, that's pretty good. I'll take that one. Uh, the Bible has a way of showing up. People show up at tables in the Bible. The Passover table, the communion table. You know, when Jesus was around the table, he was with people who had broke every rule. <laughs> He dined with wealthy men who got rich with lies and corruption. That's who he sat around the table with. Some of those men gave up comfortable lifestyles eventually to follow him. But he did invite every single person to the table. And that's what Parallel Church is about. Inviting every single person to this journey of following Jesus. We try and make it as simple as possible that they can take it home with them and, and apply it to their life and go, I can build this thing. I, can, I, I think I can do it. And there's simple instructions. That's why we asked you to connect and grow so you can learn some of those instructions of how to do life. A New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright, captured something of this sentiment when he wrote, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory or instructions. He gave them a meal. He brought them into a relationship with them where they could be relaxed it wasn't all instructional. They learned a lesson through a great trial of his crucifixion. But that wasn't what they thought when they sat down at that table with him. He gave them a simple, clear mission of making disciples. And we talk about it, Pastor Kelly talks about it all the time. And I love his explanation of it. I'm going to share it in a few moments here. But Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. There it is again. He's with you always to the end. So what is truly a disciple? He describes it in John here. He's talking to the Jews. John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples of mine. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And that's what we're talking about. I'm talking about freedom. Right? And we think, I, I love this description of carefree and then careless. There's things that every one of us do in our life that we're careless with. And that's what we would describe as maybe a sin. Right? Or we're missing the mark and we, and we didn't care enough to, to see what the outcome was going to be in that. But we're the ones that get to make that choice and we're the ones that get to have that conclusion or that suffering. Right? And that's why we've got to be so careful to not point that out in others because I think they know when they're struggling. And if they don't, maybe God hasn't revealed it to them. But sometimes we feel that we're, it's our job to do that. And I've never seen much effect in that, especially without a relationship with them. That's why we're so cautious as a church to how we are uh, in our community and how we're interacting with people so that they get a good example of who he is. Because if they get a bad example or a bad taste... I said it to our team this morning. It's like going to a restaurant for the first time and going away with food poisoning. You're likely not to want to visit that restaurant again. 
You're like, no way. And often that's people's first experience with the table. They come there and something, someone said something or something came across to them. It's like, I'll never be welcomed here. Jesus had different instructions. That's what we have to be so careful with what we do. And I'm so proud of our youth group because they did this bigger and better thing and, and they went around the neighborhood and they were gonna do my neighborhood. So I'm like, please don't come to my house. That's my night off. Good pastor, eh? Anyways, <laughs> they, they went around the neighborhood and then I looked on our community thing. On, it's Heritage on the west side there. And I looked on the community bulletin. And it was like, hey, someone posted on, hey, did you see what those kids were doing? They did this bigger, better thing. And they start with a paper clip and they go to door to door and they trade up to better things. And here they were walking with a canoe. <laughs> And I'm like, and there's a picture. They showed that. I love that. The whole community was like, I love that. That's so fun. That's so great. You know, they weren't looting, right? They asked for permission to take that stuff. But I was so impressed that and our kids went out in the neighborhood. And there's a lot of other things kids would be doing on a Friday night. Right? So give it up to Kale. And our, our whole youth team is phenomenal. Is, is, is helping people live a carefree life, you know, in a positive way. And it's and it's interacting with our community, which is, we, we don't have to worry, we have to worry about what happens in here, but we really have to worry what happens out there. That's where the food poisoning can happen. You know, that's where people are going to go. That's a start the car, by the way. There we go. You guys are getting lackadaisical in that. Maybe we'll change that up. Anyways, so why would I, why would I want to be a disciple? Why would I, why would I want to do this? Why would I want to begin this journey? I might be talking to you today. I don't know. If you're new to church, and again, you've had that taste, or you've never had a taste of what... A Christian ex- experience is, I'm, I'm going to tell you why that we do this. Number one, it's in, it informs and fills our conscience. And we would say, Holy Spirit. You know, it just, it means we want to live carefree but not care less again because we look at life to go, okay, do I really want to do that? Because, man, I'm, I want to be careless in that area of my life because, man, that could lead to trouble. That's what it's about. It's just trouble. Why would you want to? But it's your choice to do that if you do. But that's where you learn it. You learn it by what God's word says about areas of our life that he wants us to be free. Because that's what he even says in the scripture. The truth will make you free. It's about freedom, not bondage to some religion. So far from that. If we can just look at it that way. Number two, he'll fill you with purpose. That he'll give you a passion to be able to share what you've experienced and the love that you've experienced with other people. And a purpose in your life to go, it's not just about what I attain in life or, or my titles and that. It's about... What do people see me as? How much of an impact did I have on their life? Did I love and impact their life in a positive way? That's why we put it on the water tower, love and impact. Right? It's like we, we need to have a, and what is that impact? Good or not so good? That's why we have to be so careful. Number three, it should be a window of what God can do in the world through us. Because other people are watching. They're going, okay, wow, I want to be a part of that. And we find that all the time with my city care. When we do Shop of Wonders or the Cinderella projects, people like unchurched people go, I want to be a part of this. This is cool. What are you guys buying all these presents for? Oh, they're just for people going through a tough time with no questions asked. They can come and just get gifts for their kids. And then we hear stories about guys coming out of addictions and, and uh, treatment centers, and they, they ended up basically losing their entire family because they couldn't provide. And then they go to Shop of Wonders, and it says, no, man, you're going to provide for your kids. We're going to fill in that gap for you. And the kids experience love. Man, I want to be a part of that. And that's that purpose. When people see that, we know they're going to want to be a part of it. We just try and line them up and and help them on that journey. The table is where we learn to be generous. 
You know, because you always, you don't just show up at someone's house. You know, you can. You can always ask, you know, can we bring, no, don't bring nothing. But it's always good to show up with something, right? You know, or, or next time, offer someone around their table, you know, that your table, that's kind of what it's about. You learn to be generous, not always give. I'm not getting nothing out of it. And this speaking to you, I'm not getting nothing out of church. Well, how much are you putting into it, you know? And are you, or, and if you're not, talk to somebody. Maybe, you're, maybe you got a wound there or an injury, or maybe you've been given too much. You don't have good boundaries on your life. The table is where my life with Jesus is made better, and I said this earlier, and makes me better at life, but that does not mean life is perfect. And that's why we say no perfect people, because life is not going to be perfect. Now we're going to take a look about what it is about moving around the table. I'm going to stand up for this part, but I'm going to hold my notes, because I can't read that screen like Pastor Kelly can. Nothing wrong with my eyes, is this they put a poor font on there today. 1 John 2, 12 and 13 says, I'm writing you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And I'm writing to you, fathers, because of you who know him from, is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. So he's not talking about different ages of Sunday school classes. He's talking about people on their faith journey. And Pastor Kelly's done such an excellent job of giving us this description. So this is people outside the church that don't know Jesus. Right? And this is where, this is our My City Care. This is our, this is your workplace. This is that family member that's had it up to here with church and all that religion part of it. This is that, that chair. They're, they're not around it, but we'd, we'd welcome them to, but they, they aren't quite there yet. And then we give them an opportunity to come to the table, and that's done through a relationship with Jesus, and it's, it's done to surrendering your life through a prayer, basically, but really it's kind of going, okay, God, I'm giving you a, I'm gonna give you a shot at this. I need to change. I need, I need something new. I've, I've been careless. I want to be carefree. I want to have freedom, and I don't feel so free. I want to know what this thing's all about. I have a lot of questions. That's getting invited to this chair. And then we have little children. Little children need to be cared for, and they're very, very, like I hate to call adults little children, but, but they're fragile at this point because they, sometimes there's some mess, right? And sometimes there's some preconceived ideas that they, they thought were truth, and, and they're learning these things, and, and that's the little children's chair. And then we got the young men, and young men, they have no problem feeding themselves, but I, from what my experiences with young men is, they'll open a fridge full of food and go, there's still oh, it's nothing to eat. Right? So the young men's stage is like, ah, the church, I don't know, I'm, just, I'm not getting out of his messages. What's this start the car thing? Like, pfft. right? You, you might be, there might be something, you maybe not hungry enough that you're asking people to feed you. And this isn't to insult you, but it's, I, I find myself there and I go, okay, how much responsibility have I taken to this? And as a care pastor, we always challenge people to take responsibility for the situations they're in. We'll give them direction, but they get the victory if they get through it, right? So we don't necessarily get the blame when they don't because we're not the one that got them through it. We just saw a perspective, maybe your God enlightened them to something. So that's young men. And then we got the fathers. Fathers are guys that are people that provide for others. They're, they're, they're not thinking about themselves so much. They're, they're thinking about that that little child who's, who's coming or that person that's, that's wounded and, and had life beat the daylights out of him and, and the father's going, oh man, you just come back. We see it all through the prodigal son and all these stories in the Bible. The father's like, you know, the story of the prodigal son, when the father ran to him, that was the most undignified thing a man could do then. He got rid of all the religious rhetoric to run to that one who basically spoiled his life. And that's Jesus. That's the example he gives us as fathers to, to not be thinking about ourselves or, or to discipline them. It's like we've got to be so careful 
when, when people get in different chairs. And, and you could be in the father chair and end up in the children's chair because of a loss of somebody in your life where you're like, man, I'm hurting. And this, uh, I need someone to care for me. That's okay. That's what we're about. Dads say, yeah, come on. Sit down. Don't run away. He's not abandoning you. He's still with you. So this, if, you, if, you're, if you find yourself in church for a long time and you're in a bad spot, that's okay. Don't, again, don't leave. Don't leave. You're probably on the, the, the breakthrough of something big in your life that you're going to be able to help somebody walk through that journey that they've never experienced because you have. You're never disqualified. You're qualified. He's equipped you through that situation. He's that one that says, like Ingvar, no, you can't do sell furniture that cheap. That's okay. I'm going to still do it. I'm going to do it in-house, and I'm going to make $42 billion. Start the car. That's that father. That's that one that ended up in the children's chair. What, what do we do to begin to follow? I've got to go through this quick because I'm spending a lot of time at this table. Jesus answered that question when he found Matthew. Matthew 9, he was a tax collector. I love this part. It was a job that made him the most despised man in society. Who's that in our community, right? Think about it. That's who Jesus went to. He was a Jew who became an employee of the Rome, assigned to, to collect Rome's unreasonable taxes for his own, from his own people. He was hated by Romans because he was a Jew, and he was hated by the Jews because they betrayed him working for the enemy. No one talked to him. No one liked him. So imagine everyone's surprised when Jesus approached him and said this, Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew and sitting at the tax collector's booth, he said, follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. You notice he didn't say stop collecting taxes. He didn't say denounce all your friends, although he probably didn't have that many. He didn't say change your clothes or you can't dress like that or look like that or you know, you can't be a part of that. You've got you to gotta really change everything about you. And we see that with religion. Sometimes it tells you to change. You know, don't be of the world. It's like he never, he never brought that up with them at all. He didn't say repent of your wicked ways. He didn't say learn more about me. And if you know enough, then you can join. Because sometimes we have these expectations. People coming in here should already know this and this and this. And if you don't know that, well, man, you know, you know God, hope God gets, gets to you, you know. You better give up that. You know, I'll be praying for you. He simply invited him to follow and then show Matthew that he was serious. Jesus went to his house and party with all his sinner friends. Oh, man, can you believe it? Matthew 9, 10 to 11. Later, Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, and, dis and a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. <laughs> That's so cool. I hope we got some disreputable characters in this church right today because that would show that they've been feeling comfortable to be invited to this table, and they came and joined him. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit. And this is religion. You might feel this. You might feel like, what is that guy? They're so wrong. And we can get so passionate about what truth that we know. But Jesus didn't do that. That was the Pharisees that did. They lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher? Acting cozy with crooks and misfits. Jesus overhearing this shot back and said, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure what the scripture means. I'm about mercy, not religion. I've invited, I'm here to invite insiders, not coddle outsiders. He was strong against them. Just step up to the table is what I'm trying to say to you today. Simple beginnings and stay true. And, and why do we need to be simple and stay true? Because Jesus warned us about this. 
when I read this passage, I even asked some really theological guys, because I'm not a big theologian guy, I'm just a regular dude that been following Jesus for 20 years on staff and some 35 years, but I wouldn't say I'm a theologian, but I'm like, man, when I read this, I'm like, man, he was sure strong against those guys. It says, about the same time his disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom? Always want to know, how do we get to the next level? How do we get to the next chair, <laughs> right? How do we get to there? Because I want to be that preacher guy. I want to be able to tell those people what they're doing wrong. For an answer, Jesus called over a child for an example, whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like a child, you're not even going to get a look into the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive a child like to my account, the same as receiving me. So no matter how much we know, how much we learn, how much truth we have, does not give us that right to lord it over the children. Someone who's maybe not there in that position. And he was really strong about it. Because it says here, but if you give them a hard time, bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd better be dropped off in the middle of the lake with a millstone round your neck. Doomed to the world for giving these God-believing children a hard time. Hard times are inevitable, but you don't have to make it worse. And it's doomsday if you do. That's pretty strong, right? If you want to hurt someone coming to the Lord, like, and you want to tell them, and I have seen this, you guys. I've seen this when we shared testimonies from individuals that were part of our community and they have an experience with church and they're going, man, this is awesome. I love what's happening here and this and this and this. And then people go, you didn't use, that guy didn't use one scripture. He didn't even mention Jesus. And I'm going, shut up. Like, just leave him alone. What do you expect? How dare you? You know, I get so passionate against that because I could see that someone going, oh, man, I'm just nothing. I don't know, man, that guy, he, if that's Jesus, I don't want any part of him. No, that's not Jesus. He said, whoa. The other, the other example was uh, being dragged by a donkey with a big stone on your back. That would be a drag. <laughs> you might keep up for a step or two, but that's going to leave a mark after a while. So Jesus warned us against that. So today's takeaway, I'm going to finish because I'm over already. You don't need to understand everything or behave right to follow Jesus. Just follow. Start the car right there, right? You don't, you don't need to know it all. And you may not, never not know it all. Just know that. But be very careful about what you don't know and what you share about what you don't know. Because that can leave a mark on somebody's life that he kind of warns us as we move around this table and grow to be so careful and cautious to those that are hurting. People are seeking Jesus, but they see him through us. Right. What are we doing? Cool, let's pray. God, we thank you for, uh, for inviting us, God, to the table at one point in our life. However we came to it, God, I, I know there's so many different stories of people coming to know you and God, I just pray, God, that you would just speak to us in our heart, God, about areas in our life where maybe we've restricted people from that. Or we've harmed people, God. Forgive us for, for trying to do things right and messing it up sometimes, Lord. But we thank you, God, that they would see you through us. And God, that we would never forget that you've never abandoned us, God, even when we do mess up and end up hurting someone. God, thank you for opening our eyes as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.
to be invited to this table, we, we say it's in Romans. It says, if you just declare with your mouth, it's a prayer, right? And then people come against, oh, you can't, it's a magic prayer. No, it's not a magic prayer, but it's you saying something, speaking it. And that's the beginning. I did it. Cindy and I, we, we read a track, like, how many years ago, honey? I don't know, like 40 years ago. <laughs> read a track, we go, man, where our life was, we were, we were living careless. And where we were was hurting us. We're so grateful that we made that decision to step to the table, to step into that relationship. So I'm gonna ask you guys to pray along with me. You can just bow your head and close your eyes. This is a confession. Speak it with your heart. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. I believe that you died and rose again. I ask you to become my God, my Lord, my Savior, my friend. I thank you for inviting me to your table and that in that you forgive all my sins and my mistakes and my carelessness and that you will speak to my heart and redirect my life, God, where I can live carefree. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I, I, we always say we're gonna look around the room and I just don't wanna call you out or anything, but if you wanna signify, you can give me a wave, but I'd really challenge you to just use that QR code in the seat pocket there or, or fill out the card. And it's not that, that we're gonna come track you down, show up your house like the kids with the bigger, better thing, but they might do that. But we do want to join you in that journey that you can come alongside us, that, that you will never feel alone or abandoned. So if you want to fill that out, that'd be great. Our team will just contact you. We have a Bible for you at the Next Step screen. That's where the big connect table is. There's some balloons there today and stuff. But if you avail yourself to that, this is, that's the best decision of your life. And we're so excited for those that join because we know the experience that we had.